Well, once again, uh, good morning. And we're in this uh, middle of this series that we're calling Spiritual Alignment as we're looking at kind of six practices that we can do to uh, stay connected to God. In your worship folder, one of the inserts on the back of that piece of paper is this kind of graph that we're kind of working our way through. It's this this circle where in the middle of the circle is the hub of Jesus, and these kind of spokes that kind of come off on the side of it are these various ways, these various experiences or disciplines we can engage in to stay connected to Christ. Uh, And in John chapter 15, we're reminded that Jesus tells us, that we are to remain in Christ and He in us, and that apart from Him, we can do nothing. And so we're to remain in Him. So we're seeking to understand how we can best live our life in a, in a, a well-aligned or well-balanced way that we can actually follow the ways of Jesus and our life could, could flow well. So far, we've kind of explored the idea of a prayer-filled life where we're listening to the whispers of God and we're speaking or having times of silence and solitude. Then we looked at the virtuous life where we're seeking to add to our faith goodness and moral excellence and integrity and uh, faithfulness and self-control. And then we looked last week at the importance of a spirit-filled life where we would be uh, humbly receptive to the nudging of the Holy Spirit in our life, that we would be faithful to where He's guiding and directing, convicting us. Um, and if you've missed any one of these kind of services or, or messages, you can go back on our website and you can stream those and kind of get yourself caught up and you can keep on going. But this week, we're into this next phase, this next little discipline or practice we can do, and that is what's called the sacramental life. The sacramental life. And just to kind of get us on the same page, a sacrament, this little definition may help us understand what we're seeking to do with our life. And a sacrament can be defined this way. A sacrament is an act of the Christian church that is regarded as an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual divine grace. A sacrament is an outward visible sign of the inward and spiritual divine grace. And typically when we think of sacraments, we think of things like communion, Lord's table, like we'll celebrate this morning, or uh, baptism, which we did back at at Ottawa Metro, or even foot washing, which we should think of those things because they are indeed sacraments. But this morning we want to take a look at what the Apostle Paul describes and how we might live our entire life, living a life of sacrifice or a life of a sacrament, this whole sacramental life, where our whole life, what we do, how we eat, how we sleep, how we walk around, how we work, all of what we do is an outward and visible sign of the inward divine spiritual grace that God has given us. So we're going to look at this aspect of not just having moments of sacraments in our life, but how our life is a sacrament, that we live a sacramental life. And this morning I'm going to read a passage that may be familiar to some of us that have been around the church for any length of time, but it's going to center our thoughts a little bit, and hopefully we can understand it a little bit more about how we can live this life uh, in a way of sacrament, that it's, it's as an offering to Christ. And this is uh, from the book of Romans, chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... Offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As we get started, let's pray together and then we'll move on from there. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we humbly come before you, the almighty, eternal, triune God. 
And we lay ourselves before you and we seek to hear from you. Father, open our hearts. Let us be receptive to what you would say to us. And we pray that you would have your way in and around us this morning. That's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, the Apostle Paul in this passage is instructing us how to go about our everyday mundane, everyday ordinary tasks that are before us in a way that is as a sacrament or a sacrifice or an offering, if you will, to God. An offering before God that we live our entire life, our tasks, how we do them as an offering before him. And most people, when you think of, a, of the term offering, you think about what we did earlier in the service where ushers come by, they pass a plate and you put a check in or you maybe give online or somehow you give to the church, you give money to the church. That's an offering. Oftentimes we think of it that way. And that kind of offering is important. It's, it's a good thing we do. It's a way for us to honor God with the very first fruits of our labor. It's a way for us to push against the, the, uh, the constant barrage of materialism and consumerism that's around us. We recognize the truth of Jesus' words that how we spend our money and our resources is a reflection of our heart. So it's good for us to sacrificially and regularly give and to give of our finances to give an offering. That's a good thing for us. But this morning's passage is teaching us that we are to do far more than that. That we are to offer our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And most people, if we're just being honest, most people come to a worship service on the Sunday morning or on a Saturday evening and they're not really prepared to give their whole life to God. There's, there's sin in their life that needs to be admitted, confessed, and cleansed out of their hearts. We bring burdens and, and difficulties that need to be lifted before God. We bring frustrations and all sorts of distractions that will distract our heart and our mind away from God that need to be, that need to be given over to God. And all this aspect of giving your whole life and your whole heart just kind of seems difficult, too lofty of a goal, like too much to, to offer. And oftentimes it just would be really a lot easier if we just wrote a check and performed some kind of religious duty, dropped it in the basket and went on with the rest of our life. Sometimes it's just easier to stay at arm's distance and just throw some money in the plate or, or give online and, and just to perform some kind of duty. But this morning's passage is challenging to us. And it's words that we need to hear. It's words we need to allow to seep into our hearts because when we live our lives to God in worship, we will experience depth and richness and abundance in our relationship with him. It will be good. It will be abiding. God's great desire for you and for me is that our lives would flourish with his grace, that our lives would be saturated with his blessings that he wants to pour out on us when we follow his ways and we live in obedience to him. And some people in their Christian life and in their life with Christ walk in a, in a bit of a shallow relationship with God and they miss out on all the blessing and all the pouring of God's grace that he des- desperately wants to pour into their life simply because they live in their relationship with God and they've, they've whittled it down to just one hour a week on a Sunday morning. And that's it. That's the sole sum of all of their worship of God. But worship happens. True Worship of God happens when we respond to all that God is and we live our entire lives in humble obedience to him and we give glory to him through all that we do. And what we do on Sundays, through all the songs and the reading of scripture and the prayers and the giving of our tithes and offerings and the listening to teaching, all that we do on Sundays is in order to prepare us for Monday through Saturday. 
Everything that we do when we gather together is in order to prepare us for Monday through Saturday. Not to leave it when we leave the building. Theologian and professor over at Anderson School of Theology, Gilbert Stafford, writes about these kinds of things, and he wrote this once. Christians are called to live in the worship of God all the time. We are called to assemble ourselves together, not as the worship begins and ends with our entrance into and departure from particular places, but because it is in the gathering that we can be renewed in the worshipful life to which we've been called in Christ. Worship services should be times of rejuvenation for the worshiping lives. The gathering that we do should be in a way to renew us for the worshipful life to which we've been called to in Christ. That we are renewed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to learn to love our neighbor as ourself. That we are renewed for our life Monday through Saturday. And the essence of sin, the essence of breaking of that relationship is a refusal to worship God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. It is to place something or someone at the top priority of our mind. It it consumes all of our mind. It consumes all of our energy. It consumes everything we go. And if we're not careful, we can be striving for the created rather than giving glory to the almighty creator God himself. And the entire biblical record, by the way, the Older Testament all the way through the Newer Testament and all of history shows this struggle between, of people struggling to, to draw their attention off of the created things and to draw their minds back to the Creator God and to bring worship to Him alone, to bring glory to Him rather than the immediate things we see in front of us. And we struggle with that today. This is why Sunday morning, this is why gathering together is so vitally important for us. So vitally important for our relationship with Christ because we set aside time to sing, to pray, to listen, to be silent, to bring an offering. And all of this is to remind us that all we have is a gift from God. All of it is to remind us to prioritize the creator God himself and not the immediate created things. And the sacramental life, a life of sacrifice, is more than what happens on Sundays. It's more than what happens in these brief moments that we gather together. It's about our whole being, bringing our hearts before God, our lives, our minds, everything we do, our tasks before God. This is what King David meant when he wrote in the 51st Psalm. He says this, you don't delight, you, God, don't delight in sacrifice or I'd bring it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit A broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. David is reminding us that it's not about the religious ritual actions that we do. It's about a a humble and contrite heart before God that changes everything that we do around bringing glory and honor and worship to God. And somehow, and don't ask me why because I don't know, but somehow we have kind of developed over the years a sort of selective Christianity that allows us to somehow get emotionally deep and moved on a Sunday morning that just gets completely caught up and involved in the worship service and everything that's going on on Sunday morning, then somehow, yet we live Monday through Saturday completely oblivious of it and completely, totally worldly the rest of our week as if nothing else happened on Sunday. And we come back on Sunday and we just get caught up in the moment again and then Monday through Saturday, we're just like everybody else. 
And when we live this way, we will live with this kind of a false dichotomy between the spiritual and the mundane, as if there's spiritual things that happen at the gathering, and Monday through Saturday is just the everyday mundane kind of non-spiritual stuff. And if we find ourselves living in this kind of separation between spiritual and mundane, our lives with God will remain shallow, and we will find ourselves veering off the side and stuck in a rut, hard to get out of. Friends, we need times of silence where we can listen to the whispers of God. We need to put on virtues of excellence, of integrity, of goodness, of self-control. We need to be humbly receptive to what the Holy Spirit may be nudging, convicting us and drawing us and nudging us along God's life for us. But we also need to view our entire life, our everyday ordinary tasks, Monday through Saturday, as an offering that we bring to God to give God glory, to give God praise, to give God honor by the way in which we do our ordinary task. And perhaps one of the most famous people that sought to do this and did it as best he possibly could and people often think of and write about and read about is a 17th century monk by the name of Brother Lawrence. And he sought to live his life completely in submission and as a sacrifice to God. And he wrote a, a number of letters to another monk or another brother, and they kind of collected these letters. And this is what, in a small little book called Practicing the Presence of God. It's really, really small, but it's powerful. And this is what it says. The most effective way Brother Lawrence had for communicating with God was to simply do his ordinary work. He did this obediently out of a pure love of God, purifying as much as it was humanly possible. He believed that it was a serious mistake to think of our prayer time as being different from any other. Our actions should unite us with God when we are involved in our daily activities, just as our prayers unite us with him in our quiet devotions. Brother Lawrence was a simple dishwasher in his monastery. That was his task to do. Each monk, each brother had a a specific task to do, and his was to wash the dishes. A very mundane, ordinary, non-glorifying job. And he sought to do it in a way that drew worship and drew his attention to the God and to give glory to him. And he found himself thanking God for brothers that would eat around a table, that he would be able to wash the dishes of a brother who was being able to sit. And so he thanked God for the community. He thanked God for the ability to eat and for other brothers that grew the food in the monastery that they could eat together. And he began to draw his attention more and more and bring his attention off of the dirty, mundane, boring task of doing dishes and he made it into a worship experience bringing glory and honor and praise to God and the sacramental life is about living our everyday ordinary mundane kind of life in a way that honors glorifies magnifies and gives thanks to God worshiping him along the way it's the way in which we can really live out what the Paul what the apostle Paul says in Colossians that whatever you do in word or deed do it in the name of the Lord. So friends, if, if our life with God is going to be deep and meaningful, we're going to have to get beyond a Sunday morning experience only. And we're going to have to live our whole life, bring our whole life as a sacrifice, as a, as a response to who he is. And there's a couple things. I said we're trying to be as, as practical as we possibly can in these next few weeks. So there's a few things I want to help us 
to help us hopefully live our life through Monday through Saturday in a response to who God is and what he's done as, and bring an offering and sacrifice to him. The first suggestion is that we need to recognize the divine presence around us all the time. In the Old Testament, God's presence was seen in the tabernacle and later in the temple. And it was actually known to be that his presence dwelt there. And there was a curtain that separated the holiest of holy place with the ordinary rest of the temple and the rest of the ordinary place where people would walk and, and do business and all that kind of thing. But there's something significant that happens in the crucifixion of Jesus. And we're told that when the crucifixion of Jesus and earthquakes shatter or, or rumbled around the earth and, and the temple, temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. And that which separated God's presence, God's holiest of holies with the ordinary, everyday, mundane tasks of operating and doing things, doing business, God's presence was now among people. And Jesus reminds us and he tells us that wherever you go, I am with you. I am not leaving you as orphans, but I will be with you. And my presence will go with you and will dwell in your hearts. And where you are, I will be. And so we need to recognize the divine presence wherever we are. That it is not simply when we gather on a Sunday morning, but it is when you drive to work or when you gather with coworkers or when you sit in the office or when you're changing the diapers or when you're sitting in the classroom grading papers or whatever you are doing, the divine presence is around you every time. No matter where you go, the curtain has been torn in two and God's presence is here. We need to lift our eyes up and see where God is wherever we are. Find a way to remind yourself of the divine presence with you all throughout your day, and it makes a difference. Whether you're studying for a test, whether you're doing the mundane things that you do every day, God's presence is with you. And we can turn that time into a time of worship. One thing that I have found helpful, when you're a little kid, you get those little, little worksheets that have like hidden pictures in them. I was doing one of these with my youngest son last night, and it's like you try and find where the little paintbrush is or find out where the carrot is, and you look for all those other things. One of the things I found helpful in my own spiritual life is to look around the world around me and look for hidden crosses. Look how a telephone pole makes its way into a shape of a, of a cross and remind myself that God's presence is right here with me. I look at the windowsill and I see a shape of a cross on the windowsill. Or I look out on the fields and I may see a cross, a hidden cross. It may not be open for everyone to see, but my eyes begin to see hidden crosses wherever I go. And it's reminding me all the time of God's presence with me. You may also find it helpful to have worship music playing in the radio or in the car or as you're traveling from one place to another. Or if you're in an office or a setting where you can play that, you can have that music playing in the background. Some years ago, I was leading a mission trip down to the islands of Trinidad and Tobago, and we were, consu- we were just kind of caught off guard with the amount of vibrant worship that was happening on Sunday nights when they gathered, and they just, just the energy and the ways in which they poured their hearts out to God until one of the guys on the team pointed out something very simple. And he said, you know, it's interesting that uh, we see all this vibrancy in the worship, what's happening right here, but their worship didn't start on Sunday night when they walked into the worship center. They've been worshiping all week. There was worship music and there were songs and there was prayers going on all throughout. When we were mixing concrete for the, con- for the construction project we were doing, there was prayers and there was worship happening right there. When the ladies were in the kitchen and they were preparing the food for various things, there was songs, there was music, and there was worship happening all around. When we were cutting little things out for the next day's Bible lesson and we were just getting stickers ready and markers, there was worship happening all around us. It didn't start when we showed up to the worship center. Worship was happening all the time. And what we brought to the worship center was in response of all we had been doing 
during the week leading up to it. It would changed everything. So find a way to draw your attention to the presence of God around you during the mundane, everyday tasks that you have before you. And the second thing we can do is start our day and continue throughout our day with short, small prayers that can be repeated. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be the perfect words. It doesn't have to be anything, you know, perfectly written out. Just something really simple like, Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I give you my heart. And small, short prayers like that that can lift up my eyes off of the immediate stress of the routine, of the, of the tasks that are right in front of me, and it can lift my eyes up to what God is doing, and it can help me see clearly. Lord, I give you my heart. And when my focus is off, I will have a tendency to focus only on the created things in front of me and not the creator God himself. And my worship will be the worship of the stuff right in front of me. My worship will be my accomplishments or my relationships or the way in which I can get this task done and get, and get recognized by other people. My worship will be consumed and my thoughts will be consumed with the things right around me rather than the wonder and the awe of the almighty creator God himself. So find a way to be reminded of the divine presence. Begin each day and repeat these short prayers with you throughout the day. Third quick suggestion Seek to do your daily work, whatever task is before you, in a way that honors God. And if this kind of strikes you as fancy or whatever, we did a whole series on this some months ago about following Jesus at work. And if you want, you can go back on our website and you can find those messages and stream those. We did a whole host of messages about how to follow Jesus at work. But suffice it to say it this way. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 through 24, Paul says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Friends, as apprentices to Jesus, as followers of him, our boss is not the person you report to. Your boss is not the one who's handing out your paychecks. As apprentices to Jesus, we serve the Almighty King of Kings, Lord of Lords. We serve Him. And see, for a boss or a teacher that you don't like so much, you might do the very bare minimum for them just to get by. C's get degrees, right? But if you're working for the King of Kings and when you're working for the Lord of Lords, you will bring your very best because He is worthy of all that you do. He is worthy of the very best that you can bring because it is him that you are serving. It is him that you are working for. It changes everything that you do. It changes how you go about your daily activities. When you are not working for the approval or for the uh, accomplishments or for someone else to say, great job, but you're working for the king of kings, it changes your perspective. How would it change the approach that you have tomorrow morning when you show up to, to do your daily duties, whatever that is? If you understood that it was the Lord God that you were serving. My prayer for you, my prayer for me this week, is that we would see our work, the very tasks that we do before us, as a way to, when people see how we did it, with integrity, with follow-through, with excellence, when they saw how we did it, they would glorify God in heaven. That they would glorify God because of how we did the tasks before you. Last suggestion. And it really is the very first part of this passage that we read earlier. Paul says, in, in view of God's mercy, right? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, 
offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. In view of all that God has done for you, offer your body as a living sacrifice. A sacramental life is a response to the great mercy and compassion and love that our Father has lavished on us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That he offers us freedom from sin and from the bondage and he pours out his mercies on us every day. Because of God's great love for us, his mercies are new and renewed every morning on us and his grace is sufficient to wash over all of our needs and to take care of us and to watch us anew every day. And when we understand our need, our desperate need, to be saved and for a a Messiah and a Savior in our life. And when we keep the mercies and the love and the grace of God in front of our eyes, we can't help but worship Him. We can't help but honor Him and live our life as a response to Him. A.W. Tozer once said that what you believe about God is the most important thing about you because it gives shape to how you live. It gives shape to how you respond to Him. See, if you believe that God is some distant deity and he's uninterested in the everyday life that you're going through, then you'll live basically apart from him. You'll live just kind of your life doing whatever you want to do. If you believe that God is angry with you and he enjoys punishing and hurting people, then you will live in this kind of low-grade fear of messing up because if you mess up too much, then God's going to spite you and he's going to light you up with a lightning bolt. And you'll live in fear of that. But if... If we understand the great glorious riches of God's love for us, that God so loved this world that he sent his one and only son for us. And he sent him who had no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. That when we understand this great love and this great mercy that is lavished on us, that even though we were apart from God and we were rebelling against God, he drew near to us. When we understand that, we understand the nature of God, then we will joyfully offer our bodies and our lives as a living sacrifice, honoring him and giving honor and glory and praise to him forevermore. Keeping God's mercies in the front of our mind helps us live our life for the rest, Monday through Saturday, for his glory, for his 